This is an ABC podcast. It's a commitment to your family, to honouring your identity, to grandparents, to great-grandparents, to ancestors, to um, walking with them, to having them present on your body and honouring them through your everyday actions. For me personally, I think my tattoos are about memorialising something so crucial. It needs to be engraved on my skin, kind of like a map that I can always refer back to. Once you put your reva reva, your papa onto your skin, um, you tell people that you are connected um, and that you're proud to be where you're from. So it's really about decolonizing our skin, putting the marks back on. For thousands of years, tattoos and Arab body markings were an incredibly important part of our Melanesian and Polynesian culture and society. Our tattoos depicted our hierarchical status, our maturity and our genealogy, and our social ranking. Then the missionaries came, and this beautiful expression of our identity and place in society was pushed into hiding and even completely stopped in some places. Fast forward to today, something very exciting is happening. There's been a resurgence of tattoos which celebrate tradition and culture, and it's on the bodies of women where we're seeing it. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about the revival of our traditional tattoos. Thank you so much for joining me for Sisters, Let's Talk. I'm Hilda Wayne. If this is the first time you've joined me, Sisters Let's Talk is a show made for women of the Pacific and we talk about issues affecting us. Today, we're talking about tattoos. Our stories and histories across the Pacific have always been spoken in legends, sung and danced, woven into mats, carved into wooden objects, and of course, tattooed onto our bodies. Tattoos were marked as a rite of passage for young women some taking many months to complete and only stopping at marriage. They were identifiers and women wore them with confidence, attesting to their strength and character. The placement and motifs were significant. A connection to heaven and earth, the past and the future, and symbolic of a wide spectrum of characteristics, including protection, fertility, peace agility, and so on. The appearance of tattoos from the Pacific are distinctive and clear identifiers of a woman's origin, whether it is a full face and torso in the southern region of Papua New Guinea, a half body in Fiji, or a thigh in Samoa. For a long time after missionaries came, tattoos were banned in many areas, and in some places they were hidden for both men and women. And then for a long time, it was male-dominated. But now, what we're seeing is that more women are looking to it as an expression of their culture. And there is a growing number of incredible women who are tattoo artists. One of them is Julia Mangeo Gray. Julia is from Papua New Guinea and is a tattoo artist. And she has made a series of documentaries about tattoos in the Pacific. If we lose tattooing, we lose, we lose our women. We lose, we lose their, their purpose, their vision. 
we, yeah, we lose who we are as women. We lose that, we lose that connection to the past, you know, and then, you know, and yeah, and that would, that would be horrible. That's from the documentary Reading Between Our Lines, a documentary made by Julia Mangeo Gray, a tattoo artist from PNG. I spoke to Julia and she told me how it was a grandmother's marks that led her to pick up the tools of this ancient trade. For as long as I was around, she'd always had them. So I think like a lot of us, we were so used to seeing our bubbles with their poire ever ever that we kind of just took it for granted. The very first time that I looked at her designs or understood what her designs were about was when she had already passed and realizing that our Mekeo Popwa was very different to um, say Roro or Motuan cultures. I had always admired them, but I had never thought to be the person to actually make or make the marks, put the ink into the skin. I remember when she first um, I asked her to give me a design because I really wanted to mark my skin with um, one of her designs and she drew it on paper. And then I took that and I got that put onto my skin by, you know, a machine tattooist. What did they look like and are they different from one uh, one culture to another? Sure. You know, our marks are they're cultural identifiers. So they'll be different from region to region. In Motu itself, there's many villages. And in those villages, the designs belong to families. And so they identify who you belong to. And the stories are personal and connected to your particular families. All of the marks talk about the transitions from a young girl into a woman. And that's definitely what it was in the past. Today, the marks are about transitions as well, but it's not so much about womanhood or becoming a woman and sort of marking each part of your growth into being a a woman. But yeah, the designs are different. You mentioned a bit about where you come from and uh, can you uh, explain a bit which tribe in the Motuan people and um, what role those tattoos played for women in your community? So in Central Province, it's a woman's practice. And where I come from is not more to, it's Mekeo. For us, it really is just about being a woman, celebrating a woman. They also show how strong you are being a woman wearing the marks. They also show your social connection and your wealth and who you're connected to in your families. And so it's a visual language and it lets people know that that particular individual, one, is strong was able to endure the pain and two, you know, is connected to these people. You you can't just get marked and, and not have connections. So that's Mekeo. Roro, um, the marks are different. Motu is different as well. So my village is specifically Inawi village in Mekeo. That's the government name, otherwise known as Waisaka. I'm learning a lot. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. So um, I guess your uh, curiosity or interest in, in tattoos, not only just stayed with your people, but you decided to do a documentary exploring tattoos in mm. the Pacific. What did you learn about tattoos in general in the Pacific? Oh, gosh, I learned so much. I think um, there were four of us in the beginning. Two of the ladies were from Gabba Gabba Village. Another of the ladies was from Ula. And then, of course, myself from Mekio. And the whole idea was to raise awareness 
because our old women, they're passing away now and a lot of them have already left us. And the idea was to raise awareness, go to these villages, collect what we could or record these women talking. But we were encouraging people to talk to their bubbles and record somehow document the marks on their skin so that they weren't lost. And they, it's, it's different from uh, one country to another as well? Or are there similar oh, stories yes, behind totally. titles? There are similarities in the Pacifica region. So basically from Taiwan, Taiwan people, all the way through to the Philippines, Sarawak in Borneo, all the way through from the Maluka people into Papua New Guinea itself, all the way through to Fiji, Samoa, Tahiti, Tonga, Kiribati, the whole region, we all wear marks. The marks will tell you where each people come from. They are just literally cultural identifiers. In the very first documentary, I traveled through Tahiti, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, of course, um, Samoa, and exploring all these different practitioners from these different countries and learning about their cultural practice in, you know, marking skin um, and then realizing that we really needed to bring ours back to. From the first documentary, I started to pick up the tools and do the work as well. Now, you're a tattoo artist. Tattoos are coming back. What, mm. what are women getting inked onto their skin? And um, do they have the sort of similar t- sort of meaning behind what they're getting onto their skin? Or is it just for, uh, let's just say, decoration? Or what is it? What are you observing mm. and finding out? The decoration side of things is um, we try to stay away from that because it's not just about decoration. Our old bubbles, their marks, there's so much meaning connected to that. And then just to make them about decorations takes away from the many, many women before us and why they wore these marks. And then if you just put it on your skin to make it pretty, it's beautiful, but you can do more than that. And so what we do now is with Papua New Guineans, especially Central Province, you know, they'll bring their designs and then we rework their family designs and we place that onto the skin. And a lot of that knowledge comes from understanding our dance are done so that's the important work with Papua New Guineans but with other cultures we're looking at designs that belong to them and then we we rework them to balance their bodies and so for us the essence of our work is about transitions you have to mark the transitions you don't just get them and put them on like a stamp or a decoration you take these designs and you tell that person's story and through that design and how you place it you know, you really connect them to place, especially for us that are living outside of our countries of origin. The marks really help, one, for your own identity and two, for others to understand that you are more than what they see you as. Once you put your reva reva, your papa onto your skin, you tell people that you are connected um, and that you're proud to be where you're from. So it's really about decolonizing our skin, putting the marks back on. Absolutely. Well said. And uh, I guess your boo-boo could have been mm. one very strong woman to get uh, tattoos done, maybe traditionally. Oh, my <laughs> what, gosh. What, what do you use now and uh, the difference between back then, the tools that honestly, you used to do your trade? Honestly, when I look at what they used, it's lemon thorn. You know, our women were so skilled because our bodies were like fully covered and they only used lemon thorn and like when you look at the different parts of um, Pacifica the Pacific region they've got these beautiful tools they use bone they use shell beautiful tools we used thorn 
We just used thorn and our women were beautiful. And the thorns are painful. Like it's really, I tried it on my own skin and I was just, I don't know how they did it. They're so strong, you know? So today I realized that that was part of why women weren't doing that because the bubbles were, um, they were proud of their marks, but they would remember pain. And so when we started this work, we really thought about one, how do we do this without the trauma that's attached to that pain? Can we use tools that are easier? And so we, and then of course, you've got to think about hygiene today. And so we use one use needles and there's um, this steel. We do hand push with needles or hand tap. But the thorn and our old women, they were amazing. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. Did, that, did yeah. your Bubu tell you how long it took to heal, a uh, traditional tattoo to heal? Well, then that's the thing. It, it takes about a week at the, at the least. But the old process, the old way of doing it, like it took a long time. And sometimes it would infect and it really did depend on who your tattooist was, what level you were at in society. So like my bubu would say that she didn't like hers because, you know, she didn't, she didn't have a mother. So her marks were, you know, the lines weren't straight, not like the other ones. So it, does, it did come down to who you were connected to and, and the wealth in your family. And of course, all of our marks, all of our designs connected to dance. You cannot separate them. You, if you are marked, you, you must know how to dance. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. If you have family designs, you know, and you're young, talk to your old women, your, you know, your families, and get them put into your skin so that um, we honor our old people again. On Sisters Let's Talk, that's Julia Mangel Gray, documentary maker and tattoo artist from Papua New Guinea. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. The tattoo has been a fundamental part of someone's culture for men and women for thousands of years. The tattoos are about your role in your family and commitment to your family and intertwined in that is what it means to be Samoan. Samoa is unique too in the Pacific. Applying tattoo or tatau as it is originally known in Samoa has been an unbroken practice for over 2,000 years. Because the key traditional tattoos in Samoa, the malu, are on the thighs. They were actually hidden when the missionaries came. But that didn't mean they had stopped. But and tattoos, Malu Lima Tatao, are another story. Tyler Vaiao Taufo'o is a Samoan Tatao practitioner. She caught up with Sisters Let's Talk producer Amanda Donigi. And Tyler told Amanda about how the influence of Western culture meant the very traditional and tattoo was getting lost. But she said this is now changing too, particularly with women. So there's definitely been a resurgence in the popularity of the hand to tell, sometimes called tuālima, which is literally um, the back of the hand, sometimes also called tapulima or malulima, malu connecting with the tatau on the legs, tapulima meaning wrist or other connotations of tapu. So it's an old tatau that was worn by actually men and women, but now we're seeing it more predominantly with women. It had associations with siva, with mixing the ava, with navigation, and with connections with the malu, all of these things. But I just believe that with the influence of, of Western culture and Western standards and what is acceptable in certain professional spheres and things like that, and 
just just the changes in our culture from Western influence, the hand and uh, I guess maybe more visible tattoos became less popular because I guess it's a similar thing with the influence around needing to speak English to succeed in the world. It was perhaps you needed to be less visibly, visibly marked to succeed in the world. And um, now what we're seeing, I think, globally is that uh, there is a bit more of an acceptance, well, definitely in Aotearoa, but I think a bit more so globally as well with the understanding of the importance of Indigenous tattoo. And now we're feeling more comfortable to take those marks back and to wear them publicly and to not feel like we're going to be stigmatised for having these tattoos. That's a real sort of empowerment for people um, and women as, as well. So what, do, what are you noticing now about women and tattoos? I think more than anything, we're looking back. We're looking back to our older tattoos, our older mamanu designs, and we're wanting to reclaim those and, and wear those in a way that fits with our contemporary sort of urban diasporic identities. There's sort of been trends over the years, and I've said with Samoan Tatao, um, our traditional practice was never stopped. So what happened was in the 80s and 90s, people started doing designs with a machine. So we have this very like thriving machine practice, but we also have our traditional Tatao practice, so that is ongoing. And so, you know, with the machine work, we've seen different trends. But what I'm seeing more now is that there's a call, you know, there's a there's people are feeling the calling of our customary tools and designs, and there's more of a demand for that work and wanting to really reconnect with our ancestors in that way through the method that they would have been uh, marked. Is there a difference in the way that it feels to use the old school and the new school? Um, yeah, there there is a difference. I mean, so when you receive tatau, traditionally you're lying down on a fala, a woven mat. It's a group, a team effort. You know, you have the tufunga, you have the gosu, the person stretching the skin. You generally have uh, members of your family to come to support you. So all of that becomes part of the, you know, the experience of receiving those marks is just as much a part of the tatau as the aesthetic end result as well. And it adds another layer of significance, I think. Would you be tattooing women more than men? I think nowadays it is moving more towards women. For a long time, it's been 50-50. I still do tattoo a lot of men. It's funny, I get asked, like, you know, I go to conventions and stuff and guys ask me, oh, do you do sleeves? Like, yeah, I can do a sleeve. <laughs> like, I don't know why. <laughs> There's this idea that I only can do female tattoos and only tattoo women. Yeah, it, it's been pretty 50-50, but I think just maybe in this last year, I'm seeing more and more women just because that is where the demand is and obviously women wanting to be marked by me because, you know, I'm I'm a woman too. Do you, Is there something in particular that you like about tattoos on women? It's definitely empowering and it's reconnecting. And I mean, that's both for, for men and women, it's reconnecting. We have designs that speak specifically to femininity and female strength and the role of women within our culture and, and all of those things um, that entail. So to see our women wearing those designs is, is a beautiful thing. More and more women are receiving the maru. It was always there. It was always worn. It has never been stopped. But I, I see more and more women in diaspora you know living away from the homeland receiving malu and I think that's really beautiful I think 
speaking from my own experience as as an Afakasi, as someone who's not full Samoan, you know, I'm second generation New Zealand born Samoan. I wasn't necessarily raised for Samoa, but I have the heritage and I have this dedication to my Ainga and and my culture. But still we go through this process of not feeling as though we're worthy to wear those masks. So I'm seeing a lot of women, I guess, in my, in a similar position, starting to understand that, yes, you know, we have this heritage and it doesn't make us any less worthy. And if we are going to make that commitment to our family and to our culture, then we have just as much, you know, right as anyone else to wear these marks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a rise in, in that. And I think that's empowering and really significant for our women. Tattoos can be a bit of a statement. What do you think that women, Samoan women, the women that you've marked, um, what do you mm. think that the statement that they're making is with their body markings? I think it's maybe not so much a statement as it is a commitment. Yeah, it's a commitment to your family, to honouring your identity, to grandparents, to great-grandparents, to ancestors, to walking with them, to having them present on your body and honouring them through your everyday actions. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. I love that Tyler is supporting a Pacific sisters to commit to and honour their families through this ancient practice. She told a story to Amanda Donaghy, who is the Sisters Let's Talk producer. Hello, Hilda. Yes, I've spoken to a couple of women, and now we're going to travel west from Samoa to the Solomon Islands. It's where Millicent Barty lives. If her name sounds familiar, she's a former Miss Solomon Islands as well as a designer. Millicent shared with me a beautiful story about her grandmother and how she overcame a fear of needles to receive the traditional markings of her ancestors. To be honest, I have never been a great fan of tattoos. And I have a massive fear of needles. So tattoos never really appealed to me growing up until 2013 when I was doing a lot of my research on custom stories. And that's when my grandmother from my maternal side, uh, so this is Malaita, she, she asked me to get the honor traditional tattoo, which is representative of the Shellmani tribe because that's where she's from. And I didn't really think strongly of her request until in 2016, she had a stroke. And, you know, here is me thinking, oh, my God, you know, if, if we lose my grandmother, like, you know, I really wanted to do something that she wanted for me. And that's when I started looking into the honor, a traditional tattoo and realized that it's the identity of the Langa Langa people. And normally only one woman, it's passed on through one woman in each generation. So there's my grandmother, my mother doesn't have it, nor does her other sister, but my other auntie does. And normally that's the last generation you'll see the Ona tribal tattoo. Once I learned a bit more about it, um, in 2017, I finally took that big leap and got the honor done on my right arm. It was an honor for me to fulfill my grandmother's wishes. Just carry on the tribal pride of our Shellmani tribe from the Langa Langa part of Malaita. 
um, that's currently lost with my generation. So, yeah, it has a lot of value and pride to me. Could you maybe describe what your tattoos look like and the, the meaning of it? So the ona on my right arm, it's representative of the shell money, which is our traditional currency. And normally the shell money is made by Langalanga women. So it's a lot of lines, uh, which is great because, you know, from a design point of view, I love just linear drawings. But yeah, it represents, you know, the sea, perhaps some shark symbolics there. Um, But yeah, it's supposed to look like the shell money um, design, which is traditionally used for bright price, peace, reconciliations and whatnot. So that's on my right arm. Uh, That's the first tattoo I got. And then my tattoo journey started looking into my paternal side as well, uh, which is the Makira province and learning all about the traditional tapi-tapi. What does tapi-tapi mean? Okay, so from my paternal side, which is Makira province, namely Santa Ana or traditional name Oaraha. The tapi-tapi is sort of a initiation into womanhood. So it's a process that was traditionally done for girls, normally starting at the age of 12 or 14. And at each stage of the girl's life, I guess, she gets these traditional tattoos that normally start from the thighs, so closer to the womb. And it ends with when she gets married, which is sort of like a wedding bracelet, wedding band around her wrists and on her shoulders. But the tapi-tapi process, traditionally at the end of the initiation, the woman is supposed to replicate a really beautiful and bright patterned fish. And traditionally in Oaraha, this is believed to possess the greatest representation of strength and courage from the sky and sea. I'm not game enough to do the entire tapi-tapi process, but, you know, just having the kaura on my left arm as a representation of, you know, the strength and courage into womanhood, I think is really important for my identity. Of course, you know, before I had to even get the tattoo, I had to ask sort of permission from, you know, elderly women in Oaraha. So mostly my aunties. And I mean, the criteria is not difficult or anything, but the way they sort of allow you to have the kaura is by recognizing your community work and your love for community. That's wonderful. It's definitely a ceremonial process, isn't it? Where lots of people are involved and egging you on and taking away some of that pain. For sure. And I think that's, Um, That's the most valuable part of the experience as well. I mean, of course, for me, the tattoos will forever remind me of who I am, but it will also be taking me back to memories of what the actual experience itself and being around my family. And sometimes I often look at my tattoos and they root me when I start to lose myself, if that makes sense. So for me personally, I think my tattoos are about memorializing something so crucial. It needs to be engraved on my skin, kind of like a map that I can always refer back to. 
Millicent Barty from the Solomon Islands talking with Sisters Let's Talk producer Amanda Donigi. I don't know about you, but I found this discussion about young women across the Pacific returning to this ancient practice of tattoo really inspiring. And it fills me with pride for our wonderful cultures. Do you have a traditional tattoo that you'd like to tell me about or even show me? If you do, email a picture to sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. And of course, if you've got something you'd like us to cover on the show, I'd love to hear from you too. I'm Hilda Wayne on ABC Radio Australia. This is Sisters Let's Talk, a weekly show where we come together to talk about the issues affecting women. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, we're going to talk about bride price in the Pacific, what has changed and how it can be better managed to empower women. I don't recall any ever being involved in or seeing firsthand you know, domestic violence practiced rampantly all over, anywhere and everywhere. It was rare. And then since the turn of the century when we've had people pay more and more in terms of money and livestock and goods, domestic violence and gender-based violence has just become widespread practice. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donigi. Our supervising producer is Inga Stuntner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly. And commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. Bungamu next time. <laughs>